stolen and I'm no liar. I just want what I can have and you were easy to acquire so ring the church bells welcome back oh Jeeves with a surprise crack Beards Watch Podcast episode 217 Charlotte's number one podcast recorded in the basement still hitting the zoom Getting people from all over the place, keeping it a little bit safe, as, as safe as we can be. But yes, it's me, J-Roll Nation. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at J-Roll Nation and Facebook, the Beards Watch Podcast. And then, of course, find our podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. And then if you're feeling real frisky, we've got our YouTube, They See Me Rolling, which has our beerio carts, our reaction videos for Panther Games, brewery reviews, and all that good stuff. So like, subscribe, comment, all that. Got the two fellas back, going four wide, but first, Jeeps, how you doing? We're doing good, doing good, it was a busy Tuesday, but it's got to pay the bills, you <laughs> stay there until the job gets done, right? That's right, that's right. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Jeeves1988. Alright, Duval got the red wine out, got the Lion King hoodie on, but you also got, is that, let's get yeah. elfed up a Christmas toboggan. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. I'm, I'm doing good. I got a lot going on over here. <laughs> you know, it, it is the uh, it's the first uh, day of fall, so um, as a man that enjoys his hoodies, I love wearing the hoodies inside, outside, so y'all can just have one. <laughs> and also, we've got about, what, three months and I think three days until Christmas, so get your gifts together, however you're going to do it. So... But, if you're looking for, oh, go ahead. What I was going to say, so your your mom is known for putting up her Christmas tree like Labor Day weekend. Now is she rubbing off on you of now you're wearing Christmas beanies before even we get to October? <laughs> listen, listen, man, I I am all for Christmas all year. So now this is the difference. So um, I got so many Christmas socks I've worn in the summertime, in the fall, in the spring, whenever I wear those. Okay. But I have not put anything out. Christmas X. Now, I do have a wreath that I'm going to put out probably after Halloween or around then um, because I'm not a huge Halloween person, but um, I want to give everybody time to participate in that. But uh, my tree will definitely not go up like my mom did. She had me putting up her, her tree on my birthday. So, uh, <laughs> not happening. But uh, but if you're looking for me, uh, it's Rod vs. Ball on Twitter. Just do ball on us. All right. Our guest today Someone I've known, a friend through a friend. She's went famous on, what was it, Vine back in the day. Big big Vine star, then Vine got shut down, but still has over like 30,000 Instagram followers. Living up in New York, went to UNC Charlotte. I figured this was a great time as we've been doing a lot of these podcasts. We used to just do them all in the basement, but with COVID, why not do some podcasts with people all over the place? Yeah. So she's living in New York. Ashley, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good to talk to you again after years. I know. It's been it's been quite the while. I do remember messaging you, I think back in 2017, about joining when you were like, I guess you would visit for a weekend or two or something back in North Carolina to visit your family and stuff. That was like the last Facebook message I think I saw that I sent to you. But then you've been just in New York and everyone's doing their own thing, so no big deal. So what, I guess just give everybody a background of who you are. Yeah. Um, my name is Ashley. <laughs> um, for starters, I, um, I'm a singer-songwriter. I went to UNC Charlotte, um, which is how we met through a friend. Um, around, I want to say it was 
2016, yeah. I decided that I wanted to move to New York. Um, I was doing relatively well online, and they were going to fund. I, I guess to backtrack a little bit, I had um, joined a band with two other musicians on the app, and um, Vine was going to fund our first music video, and so we were working closely with them. And, and when I flew up to New York, I decided I would start taking job interviews and. Eventually, I got a job because I told them I lived there, and they were like, can you start one day? And I was like, absolutely. I don't live states away. I live here. I <laughs> um, so I packed up two bags and found a place, and it's, I've been here for four years now. I'm very excited. I am, Vine no longer exists, but yeah. I'm still making music, and I released my first EP last year. I'm working on my next single right now. Um, so very excited. Didn't expect um, COVID to happen. <laughs> so the performances have clearly stopped right now, um, other than virtual gigs. But yeah. all in all, trying to take this time to to write and reflect and kind of get all my ducks in them. So I did. I usually always open the podcast with a song. I did go to your YouTube and I chose. I think it was Church. Oh yeah, as the op- as as an opener, so that'll open and close is for us. So if anybody was listening to that, I was like, oh, I like that tune. You can go find it now on your YouTube. But so the interesting thing, your name is Ashley Armstrong, but yeah. is your stage name Ashley Strong Arm? It is, yeah. Okay. Um, and this just sort of it kind of happened on accident. Um, I remember in high school making a Twitter account, and Ashley Armstrong was taken, and so I was like, I guess I could flip my the words in my last name and. That stuck, and I brought that with me over to Vine. It was just really simple. Um, and I started meeting people from the app that I knew, and everyone thought that that was my last name, and I never really considered it before. Like, they were like, oh, my gosh, Ashley Strongarm, hi. Oh, so weird. Like, you know each other so well, but you don't know my real name. Um, but it, the more I started thinking about it, the more, like, SEO-friendly it seemed, like, searchable. Like, I imagine, like, when I – I don't have a lot of, like, YouTube – followers um, or subscribers, I mean, but I was like, if someone were to look up Ashley Armstrong, imagine there's a lot to dig through. There's probably a lot of people with that name, but maybe Strongarm would stand out a bit more. So um, I, I sort of just ran with it, and it's been kind of a nice um, way to have two different worlds, um, two different pieces of my life coexist. I'd say, like, Ashley Armstrong, like, I work at Revlon during the day. I... I do social media strategy for a living. Um, Ashley Strongarm is the one who's like performing gigs wearing like really high cowgirl boots and like interesting clothes. So it's it's almost been a nice way to um, to see myself in two very different lights. Okay. So when when you like you said you got the vine and it was going good, what was it like when they when they decided to what they didn't Instagram buy them? Um so Twitter bought them. It was it Twitter, okay. Pretty early. Pretty early on, and then yeah. they gave it the axe. Yeah. Um, I was supposed to go in that day <laughs> to the buying office, and they were like, um, we have a global announcement, so maybe we might need to push when you guys come in. I was like, great. And then I got a text like a couple hours later that was like, we all got fired. Like, wow. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was tough. I I was new to social media relatively like and, and doing well on that app was, was really exciting but I didn't think about long term so I wasn't trying to push people over to another platform yeah um, I see a lot of people who are really big on TikTok you know they're all freaking out but they've all done their due diligence to be like if you follow me here follow me everywhere yeah what you have to do because as 
history is repeating itself potentially right yeah. now. There's, there's no one platform that that could stay forever. Yeah, and that, that is the interesting thing. Like you said, I think we were all kind of, in a essence, came of age in the social media era. You know, I remember Twitter hitting right in college and being one of the few having it, and people were like, kind of almost. Not making fun of, like, oh, are you out there tweeting and, and twatting or whatever, not making it. I mean, I remember my wife at the time when I was dating her, and she was, like, joking, and now she has one and uses it. But I was like, it was kind of cool to follow celebrities, per se, an NFL receiver or, or a singer or songwriter, and to see their thoughts kind of play out in word when you wouldn't really get to see that. And then Vine came along, and it was, like, this whole other aspect where, what was it, the, you only made, was it 15 seconds? 20 seconds was the match? Six seconds. Six. Six? Okay, yeah. So that started our attention spans of getting smaller and smaller because now it's like, oh, you've got a three-minute video for me? Absolutely not. Put it down to 30 seconds at the most. You know what I mean? So six yeah. seconds to get to grab someone's attention, you have to be quick. you got to be witty. And I remember Nathan, our friend, was talking about you one time. I was like, yeah, you should meet Ashley. She's like, hit it big on Vine. And I remember looking at your stone and be like, wow, you just – you found what you worked for. You knew, you made it happen. So that had to be kind of tough when it when everything fell apart. What was that scramble like? It was weird. I I remember when it happened. Explaining to people that it felt like when all of your friends are graduating from high school and everyone's choosing colleges. Because like I had some friends that were like, yeah, man, like I guess I'm going to Twitch, and then people were like, oh, man, well, I'll see you later. I'm going to YouTube, and like it just <laughs> felt like everyone was parting ways and choosing these platforms. <laughs> And even now, like, we're all still really close, and I'm really glad that I met everyone when I did, because I, I had a group of people that I that I felt very loved by when I moved to New York, and they're still here, but there was this, like, big umbrella that, like, oh, we're on Vine together. Yeah. Now it's a bit more sporadic, like, we're focusing more on, you know, full-length songs, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I'm hoping is more beneficial than getting good at writing six-second songs. <laughs> um, but, you know, and then some other people are, like, taking off on TikTok, so um, it was interesting. There was definitely a scramble. It, I, it sucked for everybody, you know, because yeah. you don't, you think, like, oh, surely, like, that audience doesn't disappear, but it turns out it just literally does. Yeah, it was strange because it, it disappeared, and then Instagram came out with their you could put videos on their platform, and then they did the stories, and then because they took the stories kind of from Snapchat, and and it, and it was a whole different you know kind of ordeal there. But so yeah, got reels as a competitor to TikTok. Yeah, it's it's just so many to try to keep up with. I know. And then you got to look at it too. Like there was a point where like Twitter was basically like I'm not gonna say dead, but like nobody was really on Twitter like that. But now you look at it now, it's a lot more more buzz on Twitter. I mean, you get more info quicker on Twitter than you would on the newspaper or alert or something like that. So, you know, you can argue that, I mean, like like Twitter could be better than a lot of other things. And I mean, when it first came out, back in what, when we were in our like mid-late colleges, you know, people were really reckless. But now you see it now, you're like, okay, now here we got, you know, it's kind of not the same, but still get a little bit of recklessness too. So, yeah, I, no, you're right. I mean, something if something happens now that I'm like, like political or anything, you know, like what's going on? I I think like I need to open Twitter and find out because you're you're gonna get the quickest information. Yeah. All time. Yeah. I mean, that's the same thing to bring it up. You know, like you said, a celebrity's death or something happens. I mean, Kobe Bryant passing away earlier this year or something like Michael Jackson. You immediately go and you start refreshing and checking the the top sites, 
And it is weird how it used to be you'd either wait to you just you flip over to news channel or whatever, but now you're checking those news stations on Twitter and right. it is it is that main source and sometimes you get got by a fake account and sometimes it's it's actually real, but it is just right. a wide it's and it's it is as you did at Vine, you can connect a lot of people and you know, it got you to New York, even though the Vine thing kinda failed, but now like you said earlier, you're writing songs. You've had a couple EPs. What is that process like going through COVID where, like you said, it's all just digital forms now? I know that is the, is the tipping still there? Are people tipping? Are people tuning in? How is that? It's, I think it really varies per person. I've seen a lot of people live stream and put their Venmo as a pinned comment that yeah. you can't them. Um, I haven't... I haven't done that, but one time I did perform with my brother when he was in town and like someone just happened to like Venmo money and they were like, this is just like, you guys did a great job. And that was really kind. Um, for me, it's been a really interesting balance. It's something I'm still trying to get a hold of to be completely transparent. Um, because before, before COVID happened, I like the EP release was complete. I think December 13th was the final song. I've been slowly rolling them out. I was, you know, starting to really perform for the first time. I like, I was in a really good routine with like a band that was playing for me that would also perform. So we would get on the same bill and it just felt like the momentum was really growing and it, it felt like I was finally, I was finally taking this offline and going out into the bars and into the venues. And that was super exciting. And then, you know, some you're, you think like nothing can stop this. And then it turns out that's completely wrong because <laughs> now the only thing you can do is online, which, yeah. which is ironic, I guess. <laughs> but, but it's tough because, you know, there's at first I gave myself a really hard time because I wasn't writing right away. And I was like, I write when I'm sad. And like, what could be more sad than like what's happening right now? But I think that there must be like some kind of valley or canyon, like, Maybe when it gets too heavy, it, it's hard to be super creative when, you know, you're really concerned for your friends and your family and, yeah. you know, the well-being of, of everybody. Um, so it's hard it's hard to write about that because that's heavy, but it's hard to write about anything else because it doesn't feel as pressing. Yeah. So I went through that for a bit. I decided to stop um, being so hard on myself and just start, like, playing covers again, like learning new chords, um, just listening to a lot of music and just diving into like my day job for a while and luckily I'd say probably a couple of weeks ago it just sort of started coming back where I wanted to sing again and it, from there it feels like a dam just burst you know and now I'm writing a lot and luckily I already had something written that I really wanted to work on for an upcoming single so so that was already in the works but I think had that not been underway before all of this started it would have really prolonged that because I just it's, it's hard to find your voice right now when you're just trying to make it, you know, day to day. Yeah. So you, it sounds like, so did you go into a little bit of like a depression and closed off there? I mean, being in New York had to be a little tougher. I mean, where exactly are you in New York? What could you kind of do to go out and get something or was it all delivery? I mean, that would be tough in itself. Yeah, it, it was tough, and it, it's still it's still really weird. I'm lucky to live in a place where everyone's been really respectful of the mask mandate and the social distancing, and you know the bars and the restaurants here. Um, I I was just so impressed by how quickly everybody built outdoor spaces. It was just so scrappy, and like yeah. whatever they had on hand, and, and that's really cool to see. It's very post-apocalyptic, but cool at the same time, <laughs> depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like there was no more taking a train. Going to work was absolutely not an option. Um, Walking outside felt weird because 
it, it felt weird being around that many people and it still kind of does. Um, so I'd say the first month or so I was just in this room, like afraid to go to the grocery store. Like when I like, which is just around the corner, that'd be the only place I would go when I have gloves and a mask on and I come back and wash my face and my hands. And, you know, in the very beginning, not knowing how people contracted COVID, I was super scared being immunocompromised. So I think that also had something to do with just the, the wall coming up creatively because it was just yeah. like, I've never been in a position where I think I'm in, in this much danger. I don't know if anyone has ever felt like, you know, there's this airborne illness that we don't understand what it is. And I was trying to get treatments and that was scary as well. And I was being told I might not be able to get my infusions, which was wild. So it was just a lot going yeah. on. I don't know if I fully answered that question, but I worry a little, little bit. Um, well, that was yeah. also, that's also something I've noticed in your social media. You're very forefront with your immunocompromised, it's not, is it a disease or is it an, a disorder? How do you, how do you categorize it? Yeah. So, um, I have Crohn's disease. That's right. Okay. But yeah. I, I take, um, an immunosuppressant. I get an IV infusion every six weeks for about two hours. And it just, my issue is that my immune system attacks my stomach and it doesn't need to, which yeah. causes all sorts of reasons. And the only way to really stop it is to weaken my immune system, which of course right now is just the one thing we don't want to have. Yeah. <laughs> so I definitely, to answer your first question, I think, I, yeah, I, w- I went through a really dark period. I wasn't going outside. I wasn't really leaving this room. I I didn't feel like I could write anything because I just felt really scared and, you know, really down about, you know, what was going to happen next. And it didn't seem like there was a light at the end of the tunnel. And luckily, I, I guess your brain just gets, gets used to it because all of a sudden I feel like I woke up and months have gone by and, and I'm, just, I'm in a work routine, and I'm finally writing again, and it, it's weird. I guess it's just what you can so, become Yeah, I do I do understand that feeling of, I feel like March 15th was just yes, last week, and I also oh. feel like it's been, th- it feels like it's been three years since we've, like, been normal. It's weird. I agree with you on that, but how did you, I guess, climb yourself out of that funk? You said it kind of switch just flipped, or... What was it? Because I know we kind of all at some point kind of got in that way, like, because it's, it's felt, it felt like doom and gloom. It felt like the walking dead at the very beginning, if you've ever seen that, where it was just like, can you go out? And then if you did go out, there were people yelling at you for going out if you were just trying to get yeah. some bananas or some groceries. And then it was like, do yeah. this, don't do this. Well, now you can do this, but you can't do this. And it's just like, you know, uh, yeah. you know, how did you crawl out of that? It was definitely, it, I wish I could say it was a flip like a switch that flipped, but it was very slow. I, and I was also a really slow descent into, into the dark place. <laughs> I was like, Oh, this is so crazy. But like a couple weeks, you know, because you, I don't think you can even fathom this until it happens. I know I would never, if someone had told no. me this time last year, like it's going to be an airborne illness, you're wearing masks everywhere. I'd be like, you're wearing like a tinfoil hat. I don't, yeah. I don't think that's possible. And you know, and here we are and it feels real. Um, but yeah, the slow realization that this was long-term, um, definitely slid me into, you know, a, a place where I was just sad and feeling overwhelmed. And I think, I think the only thing that got me out of it was just doing the same routine again and again, and it just starting to feel okay. Instead of being like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I have to go outside with the mask. It was like, Oh, look at this. This mask is great. And it matches this outfit. And I'm going to wear this <laughs> in the grocery store and finding that little thing or like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I work from home to, okay, well, I'm going to foster two cats if I'm sitting here. And then that, you know, <laughs> so it was just slowly finding silver linings until yeah. until looking at those became a little bit more normal than being like, 
what the fuck is going on inside. <laughs> yeah, I think the silver linings has definitely been my biggest takeaway from this is there's been so much that's kind of been taken away or adjusted to a new lifestyle. And it has been wild to me to see how many people are so upset about having to put a piece of cloth on their face. When in all reality, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, I look at it as just, like you said, another accessory to the wardrobe. Now, especially with it getting cooler, it can only really help you by keeping, you know. And I actually look at it as, I mean, we've all been at that station where you go into work and that person next to you is just coughing and a sneezing and a nasty and you're just like, yo, man, I, it's, you know, so I, I yes, exactly. So I, I kind of appreciate stay And now I think, you know, companies are seeing more of this of like, okay, maybe we shouldn't just work people to the bone. And it's that era. I think most of us grew up on the tail of it where our parents were always, you know, tough it out, tough it out. Don't take sick days. Don't do this. Don't do that. And then you, I think we all kind of realized when it was like, wait a second, you told us to do that, but then. As they got older, it was like, spend more time with your family. Take those vacation yeah. days. Do all this. And you're like, wait a yeah. second. So now we're all starting to realize, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, what? Is, now, now they're realizing. So, like, I've kind of gotten to that because the guy I work with, he never takes days. And he's all, like, he's always sick around the time of that, that February, March. And it's just nasty to sit next to somebody always doing that. So, I've, uh, they've luckily, like, stagger us to work. So, like, I don't, I haven't seen him since March. And I've been pretty good with that, but uh, you know I've appreciated this, like you said, the mask and now the constant clean. Think about all the stuff that wasn't clean before. Now it's actually getting cleaned. Oh my gosh, no. that's the scary. That's the scary part. <laughs> yeah, I think about some of like the dive bars I've seen, like in Brooklyn, that like you walk in and like everything is like the black walls, black toilet, everything's covered in stickers, and I'm like. Oh, how do I know if we're so sure that coronavirus didn't start things? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe you might be on to something. You might be on to something. <laughs> and if not that, like something else. Yeah. It's, but I never questioned it. You yeah. Know, you just, but you just, yeah, you just went now, and now you'll you'll start looking at stuff like, oh, okay. But yeah, the silver linings of, like you said, being able to go, okay, well, at least I have more time with the people that are going to be in my household, or like you said, fostering cats, or you know, looking at like, well, my commute now is just roll out of bed, go down to the go down to the couch or your desk or whatever you got, and you're good, and you can be in your pajamas all day. I mean, I remember I remember visiting Duval one time. I came over to drop some beer off for him, and he was still in his drawers and his T-shirt at like two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> it's a blessing and a curse. I try so hard to stay away from the kitchen. Yep. But it's still good to be able to kind of sleep in and just roll on over, and then you can just go ahead and go to work. So I'm with you on that. <laughs> oh my god! You just sit up and you grab your laptop, and you're like, "That was my commute." That was yeah. My <laughs> yeah that, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I love it. So what you said you work at Revlon? What exactly you said a brand strategist? What do you do there? So yeah, I work um, internally at Revlon. Um, my title is community management and content performance, which okay. is just um, helping manage all of the social channels for Revlon. Okay. Exciting. Nice. It's fun. It's, yeah, it's makeup, right. which is also, you know, it's nice because it's something that you can do remote. So yeah. when this happened, you know, the team didn't have to disband. There wasn't any of that. Um, we just sort of shifted where we were working from. Yeah. But, and Re- Revlon's makeup, right? It is, yeah. You can tell Jeeves is a single man, so he, you know, there ain't no makeup hanging around his house. You didn't see the commercial, Jeeves. Come on. I probably have. I just couldn't remember. 
Um, all right, so you're back to writing. We'll get back to the creative stuff. Well, I guess you are creating that work, too. Have you seen any crossover with, like, Revlon and maybe your personal stuff? Or do you try to keep it as separate as possible? Are you a sports fan and wondering why guys like LeBron James and Dwayne Wade are drinking wine rather than the bush light you might be drinking right now? What if I told you I'd be willing to give you $50 in free wine to find out? High-quality wine is both enjoyable and easier on your body. So if you've been thinking about trying some good quality wine, but you're not really sure where to start, you're stuck in the house and looking for some entertainment, or you're already a wino and looking to try something new, I've got a great idea for you. Scout Circle allows you to have a variety of wines that are cleanly crafted and handpicked by a level 3 sommelier automatically shipped to your doorstep at your desired frequency. All the wine inside will be in, will be free of any chemicals or added sugar that you'll see in most wines in the store, and they'll have the lowest possible amount of sulfites included. So you can forget about the beer bloat while you're drinking or the headache the next day that won't come with the highest quality of wine out there. And each box comes with fun facts to teach you about the wine that you're drinking and, you'll, and about the small vineyard that you're helping to support. Plus, if you're still hesitant, all the wine in your box will come with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you're unsatisfied with a bottle for any reason, just let me know, and I'll replace it for you with the same one or any other wine on my site at equal or lesser value. To sign up, just head to my Instagram at wineunderthebridge and click the link in my bio. If you have any questions when you get there, just send me a DM. I'll be happy to help. New members that sign up for this program before the end of May will receive $50 in free wine credits when they receive their third shipment to use on any additional bottles that you left. So head over to at Wine Under the Bridge on Instagram and eliminate the guesswork while trying something new and fun with your family or friends. A glass of wine a day will keep your beer good away. Cheers! There is. There's a connection there, and it's exciting, and it's definitely a lot of fun. Um, Revlon has been doing a lot of, I guess you could say, they've like been working with musicians and really trying to like get into the music space, which is very cool. Um, for me personally, because I want to be involved with that, like they just um, signed Megan Thee Stallion as a brand partner this time last year when events were a thing. We <laughs> like had a um, we had a space at Lollapalooza, so I got to like see the shows like every day after seven when like the the area was done, and I was you know done taking like Instagram stories and capturing content. So it's nice. I think that there's definitely an alignment there, and and on top of that, I mean you know getting dressed up and performing on stage, it's like, how do you want to look? Like, who do you want to be? And that kind of comes down to, like, how do you want to wear your makeup? Like, what do you want to do with your hair? How do you want to dress? And um, something that I, you know, I can't wait to, to perform again because you can play around so much with who you are as a person. Yeah. And, you know, so so that's fun because it does come down to, you know, makeup and beauty and, and how you want to play with those things. So it's nice. It's I'm definitely something that I'm interested in, so I get to... I get to think about that during the day and then don't put more makeup on at night. What's up? What would be your favorite makeup giddy up for a performance? Like, what's your go to? Ooh, probably a very um, dramatic cat eye. Okay. Like, eyeliner. Saying that right now, like, having no makeup on, like, a bump on my face and a Dolly Parton um, (laughs) shirt. Unless I'm over here, like, oh, to get dressed up is so fun. Like, that sounds ridiculous. (laughs) But yeah, it's like you're like a really like a really bright lipstick or a really dramatic eye. Okay. It's something to to take away from the daytime. Person. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, Duvall has informed me he's got some questions. So, Duvall, I'm going to let you fire away. I, I've got one, and, and, and this is something I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really make you pick your brain, Ashley. So, um, from a, I guess, from, from an artist standpoint, and um, I know how difficult it is and, and, and the challenges you face, but what is one of the, the, the worst advice you've gotten trying to be an artist Not good. It's just 
cried and I, I wasn't very happy with what was going on. It was very like, talk about us. I was like, let's make this album. I'm like paying you for this. And so from there, he tried to get me to sign a contract that would have given him creative control of the album so that I wouldn't have final say in the way that things were produced or um, really organized at all. And so I said no and found someone else and he had signed it and I signed. Yeah. I paid him. So I was like, I just need some money back. He signed an F30 to give it back to me, and he dropped off the face of the earth when it was due. And it took um, seven months and small claims court, and then him thinking that like charges were pressed in order to get the money back so that I could pay someone else to produce the EP. And it was the worst. But had he not signed that small piece of paper, I wouldn't have ever gotten it back from him. He could have just left, and that's super scary, though. I guess they have a paper trail. That's not a super exciting. (laughs) (laughs) But things can get so tricky, and you're working with so many people, like, depending on, like, whether it's the arrangement or who's mixing it or who's mastering it, and it's still, you invest so much money in that um, and so much time, and so it's scary to think that, like, things could go off the rails really quickly, so definitely best to keep yourself safe and and try to have a, a business mindset to it. As well. I mean, it seems like you went through something smaller on the scale than Taylor Swift trying to get her masters back, but it seems like it happens. You see all that kind of stuff with artists because, like you said, there's so many people who are involved when just like you said, you write a song, you sing it, but then if you want it produced on a certain level, there's a lot of hands getting into the pot to get a piece of that pot. And yeah. who really who really owns it at the end? And you're, you think it's you, and luckily you have that paper signed. So. Yeah, and it's tricky. Like you know, people sign with labels, and you just you need to be careful with what you're signing away. And yeah. yeah, you could lose, lose creative control over your EP to someone that you think is going to be fine, or you could lose your masters completely and not have any rights. Music, so. Yeah, yeah. How are you? Yeah. <laughs> Duval, do you have another question? Um, I, I mean that that was pretty much the big one. Um, I think uh, I mean you said so much just about just just the the industry. Um, I guess I, I guess what has been one of your most uh, I guess exciting performances where you just really rock the house and I guess one of your kind of just low performances for you is yeah <laughs> this wasn't my night and you just go ahead and do what I can to get the fuck up out of here <laughs> I, I, my my favorite performance um there's a a venue in New York that's definitely one of my favorite venues um it's called Mercury Lounge and when I first moved here I didn't have I didn't know anyone except for people that I knew on Vine, and I was living in Queens because it was the first place I found to start a random job on a Monday. Um, and I really wanted to go see a band that I used to see a lot in Charlotte. Um, I wanted to go see Susto, and so I decided I would go by myself to some place called Mercury Lounge, and it was the perfect size. It felt it still felt intimate and small, but it was it, it also felt very big. Um, I just stood at the very front and like sang everything back to them, you know, and they're probably like, "Please, like, is this like sitting all by yourself?" at the front of the stage like staying girl um, but it was awesome and I was like man I really hope I can perform on that stage one day and so it was super surreal to get to perform on that stage two years later um, felt very fortunate the, another time that I'd been there I'd seen a field and I ended up singing one of her songs on that stage and it was just it was a really cool moment where I was like I think I'm headed in the right direction because this is something that felt like a pipe dream um, not that long 
energy with that and the band was playing was just really great and it felt like such a good show and I was so excited. Um, so that was probably my favorite show. Um, probably my least favorite show would be the first show I ever did was really rough. The first solo performance that I ever did, which is funny because it was like on a rooftop with, like, with all my friends. You think it'd be like, this is so easy, but it just felt like it was the same day as like my very first single release. And it just felt like there was so much writing on that. Like, this is my first solo performance. I'm no longer in a band. I am my own person. Like the way I do this, like it sets the ground for everything else. So I really got in my own head and um, everyone was showing up to to the apartment to go up to the roof where we like set up the stage and there was all like the amps and like the band was getting ready. And like, I all of a sudden kind of like switched into like hosting mode. It was like, oh, like, oh my gosh, thank you for coming. This is so crazy. And while we waited for everybody to get there, I would continue. I just kept drinking and like hosting mm. and being normal. And then they're, oh, so we're like, like we were running behind a bit. And there was like, oh, we're like we're running behind. We can get started now. And like there, I am like three vodka soda deep, and I was like, oh fuck, like not <laughs> <laughs> like at a party. Like I just felt like all of a sudden I was just like at like EP release party, and then it was time to perform. And like I didn't have very good control of my vocals, and I learned. Um, right away that that's not how you perform. <laughs> I learned the harp, and I learned the first time. So, um, it, it was fine. I think I was just really in my head, but, but now I limit myself to, like, one drink before. Yeah, just one to cut the edge, but not three to maybe go over the edge, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. We might what was it what's what's it like you said you've been in a couple bands have your bands like breakups been amicable or has it just been like a hey let's go we all want to go a different creative direction and maybe we'll do a performance here or there or something i i think it was i would say creative direction um the the other band that i was in um one of the performers lived in Michigan and she still does. And, and so we couldn't perform very often and all three of us were songwriters. And so there was just a lot, a lot of like, how do we have one voice and like, how do we be one band when we all like are individually like pulling in different directions. And like, I was pulling one way as far as like, I would love for it to be like silkier, but I'd love to have more upbeat songs. And like, I'd love to dress up a bit more on stage. And like, you know, I wanted to perform more, do more festivals, like meet more people and, and it didn't seem like something that we could do immediately. And we're still, you know, we're all still good with each other and there's no bad blood, but it, it was, it was easier. And I guess it always is easier to be like, okay, if I do this myself, then I can, I can make this exactly like what I want. And I think that we all knew it was a really great jumping off point. And I don't know what I would have done starting off as a solo artist, having not been in a band where if you fail, you all fail together. So it doesn't feel like there's as much pressure. Uh, and we performed a lot in the time we were together, so I got a lot of good practice. But um, I think we all have di- had different ideas of, yeah. you know, how we see ourselves as artists. And so now we're sort of doing that, which so, is fine. And I think it's like that's, that's kind of how it goes, you know. Yeah. So what's what do you got coming up then? What's up? What's I know you've mentioned it a little bit, but now what is what are you most excited for, and what is coming up?
too, the visual stuff, the audio stuff. Um, and other than that, really just getting back into writing and creating and doing, you know, sort of the slower paced stuff on the back end, which I think had it not been for COVID, I could have just been running around doing gigs all the time, but this sort of offered a moment or I guess a lot of moments to like reflect and think like, what are the next steps for you? Like, what do you want to do from here? Like the EP's out. So whatever happens next can be like a next chapter of who you are as an artist. So what, it, what definitely. It. Yeah. What are, what are these, uh, what's this next song kind of about? What you, what did you pull from? Um, this next song. So it's called little bones and I think they never really usually come from one place. Uh, this it comes from a couple of things, um, but was most inspired by like being with someone that I knew wasn't being honest with me, and it, just knowing that like if you went digging, like you would dig up some skeletons. Mm. And so it's just sort of about that. Um, it's but it's upbeat and it's folky. It's not like I think the lyrics are darker than the melody, which which is fun. I like <laughs> to do that. So continuing continuing along that road. Yeah, so you can't trust someone, and it's it, it's more of like a past tense, like their relationship has already ended. But just being like, what would you find if you like looked under their floorboards? Sort of a sort of song. Okay, so what what would you describe your genre of oh, music? My oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Jake. You got there before I could. Um, that's tough. I feel like. I feel like I always answer this differently every time. Every time I think about it, I'm like, no, this is kind of like folk pop, and I'm like, this is indie folk, and, and that's one more re- another reason that I was kind of thankful for this time to sit down and be like, what do I want to be? And like, I do this next song is going to be a bit folkier than the others. So they always have like a touch of that, but you know, I want to lean more in that direction. Whether that's like having some mandolin or some banjo or like some slide guitar, just something to make it a bit folkier. Um, so maybe indie folk. I don't know. With every, it's, I feel like when the EP came out, every song almost felt like a little bit of a different genre to me. So maybe that, maybe that's what everybody deals with, like <laughs> the existential question of like, who am I? Um, I'm gonna say, long question, short. I ramble. I ramble a lot. I'm so sorry. I think I'm indie folk. Okay. Perhaps. Okay. What? So here's a question. Then what artist? do you listen to? What are your go-tos when you're just, you know, you got a day to either be clean the house, either it be go for a walk outside and you pop the, the earbuds in. I know every, I know music also depends on mood, you know, but if you were just in a good mood and you want to just, you know, throw it, crank the tunes up and dance around the house, what would, what would be your go-to? Yeah. Um, I still listen to a lot of Susto. I love Future Birds, um, American Aquarium. I just, I really like a lot of that, like, it's full right work. I listen to a lot of bluegrass as well. Okay. Um, so, like, this time last year, I was, like, with my brother at Del Fest, like, back when music festivals were a thing, and that was our, like, <laughs> annual trip to take, um, to, like, Ghost of Paul Revere, or The Steel Drivers, or Leftover Salmon, lots of very bluegrassy things, um, but when I'm, um, pulling for, like, inspiration or who I think I align more with. I, I listen to more like old country. I'll listen to like Patsy Klein or I'll listen to this I mean this current artist like just 
Billy Mayfield, like someone like that, a little bit more like songwriter focused. Okay. No, so it, with Dolly Parton shirt on, you cranking up nine to five, or I will always love you and all that. Thing about her, what a powerhouse. Yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a woman. Yeah. It's funny you have that shirt on because my wife also has a shirt that just says Dolly Parton for president. And anytime she anytime she wears that out, it's guaranteed like five or six just comments of, oh, that's a fantastic shirt. So I think we can all agree that Dolly Parton's an awesome person. Yeah. Yeah. So do you feel like you're, you draw on some of your, your genre? It sounds like you're bringing some of that North Carolinian up and mixing it in with a little bit of stirring it into the pot up there with New York. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely pull inspiration from even, you know, the shows and the music I was listening to when I lived in North Carolina. I still listen to them now. Um, and yeah, like the, the sulky feeling or even being like drawn to bluegrass still, I think it's, it's because it feels like home, you know, like, for some reason, a banjo feels like so satisfying to listen to, or when I'm homesick, like listening to like mandolin orange or something, just, <laughs> it feels really right. Um, but brothers like definitely like introduced me to that music, so I think it just kind of feels like at the heart of what I do. But but yeah, and then you know you kind of branch off from that, and maybe I guess just adding in bits and pieces along the way of what I'm experiencing up here, which is I guess the more upbeat or like indie side of it. So Does that make yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, what do you think? What's your future hold? What do you What do you want it to look like? Ooh, wow. Um, what do I want the future to look like? My immediate future, or I guess one year out, I would love to have one to two, maybe three. Who knows? Sky's the limit. I'd love to just get back into like releasing these singles, get in a really good groove of that. Um perhaps performing won't be on the table for a while. Maybe that's maybe in the time just, you know, digitally performing, you know, doing live stream performances or, you know, ideally socially distant gigs will become a thing. I, <laughs> I don't know. That sounds really complicated, um, but that would be really nice. Um, in the long run, I'd love to, to be playing bigger venues, getting into festivals, to be at a full festival, I think, would be, is the ultimate goal. Like, I remember going to Floyd Fest before I moved to New York from North Carolina and just seeing, like, First Aid Kit performing, and they're just these two sisters that are, like, powerhouses, and they were singing, and, and the music is so beautiful, and the mountains were right behind them, and that whole weekend just felt like everything that I really care about. And I, I still feel that, like, it's so easy to get drawn to the energy of the city and running around and going to going to work and then coming home and going out and meeting friends at a bar but I think I feel the most myself when I'm like at a bluegrass concert or a folk concert or just live music I guess in general yeah and so I I want my future to look more like that yeah hopefully I mean um, go ahead Duval oh, okay, okay. are you good I was gonna say just just from a a, a just a career standpoint as far as being an artist, do you, I guess, do you look at what has happened with COVID as a fear of how you're going to have to handle things going forward? Because, I mean, like you said, it's going to be difficult to do 
live shows you're going to have to stream or do you look at it as a, as a challenge that you're willing to accept and maybe you have to kind of think outside the box and really find another way to get to your your fans and, and, and really kind of still be able to put your music out there and really kind of let your voice be heard it's, it's definitely both um you know there's part of me that's like oh man i just want to perform again i can't believe that the landscape is changing and then there's the part of you that you know if you don't change the landscape you're going to get left behind it you know it's like the people that that were like oh i don't like social media you know and then you know the next year they're like all right i guess i'm going to download this but then you know it's your bit behind <laughs> people who died on fine you know like like myself who are just you know learning and figuring it out as you go but um i think the only way to really roll with the times is to look at it as an opportunity and make yourself look at it as an opportunity and think like how do I use what's happening right now and like how do I strategically figure out how to connect with people um whether it's weekly live streams or getting your music on TikTok and being someone who is you know smart enough to get their song to be like viral you know there's there's, there's ways to do it and it's just constantly changing and constantly evolving streams are so important now and you know it really i guess wasn't that long ago that that wasn't even a thing like how long has spotify existed it's a while but you know it's not like the cds are out streaming's in it's what's next you know live music right now so like what do you do it's just it seems like it's not the right thing for someone who wants to do the same thing because it's going to always change you know, it's the same as like if you want to be big on social, then you're going to have to want to constantly evolve and change your strategy because it's yeah. never going to stay the same. Have you seen any positive feedback on TikTok? Yeah, I've seen, I've seen some. I, it's funny because speaking of like strategy, like I originally went up there and I was like, I, wanna, I want this to be like Vine for me. Like I want to make music. And I want to keep singing on here, and I wasn't like noticing any growth, and I was also feeling kind of burnt out because this was at a time where I was, you know, working on my own music and trying to write, but then also being like, do I need to make catchy TikToks the same way as I was making vines? And it turned into like I was just presenting the platform, and then I was like, you know what? What if I just use this as like a creative release? Like just do things that are funny. It doesn't like don't put too much pressure on it. Just use complete, just use it in a completely different way, and that's when I like started seeing like strong numbers on on the platform and I mean that's to be quite honest TikTok is still one that I'm still figuring it out every day it, it seems like the most powerful algorithm it my for you page is so specifically for me <laughs> it, it's amazing you know they figured out like I'm never gonna get off there I can watch videos all day but but yeah I, I've seen positive feedback on there but I also enjoy using it as like okay I'm, I'm gonna make some like Silly, like videos and I'm going to make things that are a bit more comedy or a bit more about my life and, and maybe at least for now like keep the music on Instagram and and, and Spotify obviously yeah so where would people if they wanted to find your music find it on Spotify yeah they can find it on Spotify under Ashley Strong Arm um, I've got some music on YouTube I've got much less music on TikTok um, <laughs> it's on as well, but yeah, I'd say that Spotify is, is really the main place for the for the most produced version of myself would be, whereas Instagram is a bit more like I'm trying to constantly do like behind the scenes stories or just like posting covers or you know things that I'm writing in the moment. But it's it's less rehearsed, which I like. But for a full length song, it, it wouldn't 
be quite there. So one more thing. I almost forgot to bring this up, but it was probably three or four years ago you were on some internet show that was like a competition. And I think you know what I'm going to ask. So I, I remember being at work, and I remember you putting it either out on Twitter or Facebook, and I'm like, I, listen, I'm going to watch. Like, I, I consume a lot. Of, now that I'm working from home, I don't consume as much because I'm watching my kid or whatever. But I remember being at work being like, okay, and was it all? Was it one episode all at once? Whatever it was, you had to, like, dance, sing, then you had to make something up, and you end up winning, what, like ten thousand dollars or something? <laughs> yeah, that was, and I, what a weird! I just moved to New York too, like I just had a job, and maybe I've been at my job for like two weeks, and I was also like so broke that I was eating one hot pocket every day. <laughs> oh um, my god! And like everyone must have thought it was nuts because I was like come to work with my like singular breakfast hot pocket, and that was my lunch. So I was like, I'm not eating out, like I'm. Super bro, I do not understand how to live in the city. <laughs> and down, they were like, "Oh, like we found you on Vine. Like we have this show on Go Ninety, like this digital streaming platform. It's like Dancing with the Stars, but for people on the internet. Like, yeah. are you interested?" And I was like, "Sure." And so they called me, and I was like, "I'm not gonna get this. Like, there's just no way." But I knew that it paid for one day of shooting, and I was like, "Okay." And if you made it to the final round, you got paid for a second day of shooting. And I was like, "All right, that's my goal." I just want to make it to round two so that I can justify Because they were like, we fly you out to LA and I found a place to stay so I don't have to pay. But I was like, if I could just get enough, like two days worth of shooting, then like, I can eat salad for lunch or like go out and get Like, I could buy, like, all the possibilities are crazy. And um, they called and they were like, do you have dance experience? I was like, yes. And they were like, rate your skills on a scale of one to 10. And I was just being honest. I was like, I think I'm like a six. Like, my turnout's not great. I was never good at ballet, but I was probably like thinking about it more that way. And so I got there and it, there was only four of us. And I think I was the only person who had like danced previously. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And I had a really good time. And I got to make it to the second round so I got the second day of getting paid, but then I won, which was uh, quite a surprise. And I would have to say I did something really cool with the money, but um, I put 90% of it on my student loans so that I could pay them off the next year. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Hey, hey. That's smart. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly think if I did the show now and I made that money and I had student loans, I'd have been like, fuck this. I've got money. Wow. Like, what do I want? Like, I got to get some. I got to do one cool thing. But I think I was just so broke that it was like, this is fake money. Yeah. Like, my mom was like, don't look at it. Just put it in. I was like, fine. It's yeah. not really Yeah, so it was... I'm, I'm, yeah, uh, it's like money you, you never thought you were going to have. And now it's like, well, since I've got it here, let's go yeah. ahead and knock this bet bill down. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, oh, and I was like, I guess I'm going to give it to the, to the government. Yeah. <laughs> So so yeah. So how does that work? You win a game show, like do you just fill out your direct deposit? I mean, obviously they don't they don't send you the big old check like you you see on every show. Or do you remember? I think they sent a check. I mean, this was a while ago. Yeah. I should. I have to look back through my emails, but I'm like pretty sure it was a check. Okay. Which is also crazy. Yeah. And. That could have gotten so complicated because the second place I moved, I didn't even have a mailbox. We just had a mail bucket where everyone's mail went in, and they, someone had stole, someone stole our doorbell, 
So sometimes you couldn't even get the mail. <laughs> so. So luckily, New York. You know, yeah, luckily no one stole your ten thousand dollars check that was in there. Then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Because that was, I, I, just, I, I remember it popping up, and I you were you were pumping it, and I was like, oh, well, I, I know Ashley. Let me go ahead and give this a watch, and it's actually pretty funny. And then like watching through it, I'm like is she actually going to win this? And then you kept going, and then you actually won. And I was like, well, I'll be. How about that? Yeah, I didn't think I was going to because it just, it, yeah, it felt, the whole thing just felt like such a whirlwind. Like, I just made such a big life change that kind of everything felt like a dream at that point. So I was like, yeah, I'll go to L.A. and be on your dance show. Like, <laughs> this is and And then it actually happened, so that was probably one of the weirdest, <laughs> crazy things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I got to ask you about that because I almost forgot. Because, but I remember watching that. So, but Jeeves, are you ready? Yes, sir. Hopefully. All right. So, Ashley, I sent you questions via your email earlier. So this is the time. It's our warehouse distillery, Escape 109, Wine Under the Bridge Notebook. So, Ashley, you just pick a question. Go through there. You got you, you don't have to pick it too fast. But just let us know when you pick one. While you're doing that, we'll do some. We'll do our update of our Pick'em Top Ten. Big movement. I don't know if y'all saw. Did you see that it was all favorites who won except for Monday Night Football? Hey, uh, you fuck around. If, if all favorites fucks around and wins the whole thing, what are you gonna do? Dog? That's all I want. I guess it'll That's just. I, I guess it'll just sit here in the basement. So <laughs> we'll give it the second place. But that was. I've never seen that. I've never seen that before. We're literally. 15 out of the 16 games were all favorites, so that was crazy. You know, I think what the factor is, is you got to think about the home field advantage. You really don't necessarily have that as much as you would before, so yeah. it's really an even playing field. It doesn't matter. It's more like a neutral site wherever you go. But like, like we were talking about Sunday, you're really not going to see the scores until – we get to like week five because you get to drop your two lowest. So now it's just based off – like for me, I got – I went 12-4 and four both weeks. To me, that's if I can go twelve and four every week, I'm pretty good. But when you got other people, listen, most people went fifteen this week or fourteen, but their last week was eight. So in theory, I'm still in front of them because I still have 20, 24 points, and they only have like eighteen. So, but but it's not gonna, but because it drops your lowest score, it's just gonna base off you know your highest one of the time. So, but right now, top ten, all favorites first, Lurs the second. Um, my cousin's third, Stevie C fourth, Eddie Hutto fifth, Paris sixth, Jesse seventh, Frosty eighth, Chris Mike in ninth, Cosby tenth, Duval your thirteenth, I'm twenty second, and Jeeves your twenty fourth. So, but I think it, it. Yeah, I think it'll. Again, it's just gonna it's gonna it's gonna up and down to at least week five or six. Then it'll start stemming out, and it won't be as many big jumps, but it, it, you can still see some movement. So, but yeah, I mean. That was just wild. I hadn't seen last week. It went even. All favorites and fav- and underdogs were eight and eight. They split right down the middle. This year it went fifteen. This week it went fifteen and one. It, it, it depends on the week, man. You know, it's week to week. That's just like the NFL and, and any other thing is yep. week to week. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. But yeah, that was a that, that was quite the interesting thing when I logged on this morning. I was really really surprised that. And literally, if New Orleans would have won, it would have been a straight 16 sweep. That's crazy. I know. And, and then you'll also. talk about the game last night. Yeah, that was. Yeah. I mean, but 
we've been we've been talking about Breeze being washed for a while now. I'm not ready to bury him because Michael Thomas was out, but I mean, I mean his his shoulder got to be about done though. Listen, listen, he ain't got too much longer to throw the damn twenty yard outs. No, he ain't got too much longer to throw them. I honestly think he may have retired, but then when he heard Tom Brady was coming down there, he was like, oh, yeah. let, me, let, let, me, right. let me run this one yeah. time. So, yeah. And the, the Saints weren't not – they weren't doing what the Chargers were doing with Rivers and letting them walk regardless. They were going to take him back if he wanted to be back. So. True. You found your one, Ashley? Oh, these are all. There's some wild questions on here. Oh yeah, it can it can get it can get funky. <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna answer this one, but I I I can't. Oh man, I'm, I'm gagging at the take a shot of Porter John Juice after an hour at a NASCAR race. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't ask. <laughs> I ain't even seen it. That sounds bad. <laughs> Porter John Juice, I'm good. <laughs> It's a how much money um, question that one was, I know. Yeah, it was a how much money question. Is it really? Oh. Okay. Hmm. How about... My story for this isn't that great. No, okay. Worst catfish situation you've ever been in. Is that a good one? That's, I ain't never been in one, so I can't even do that. I've never been in one. Oh. I mean, if you have a good catfish story you want to tell, by all means... Yeah, because I don't have one of them. Yeah, well, I, when I first moved to New York, I, like, matched with someone and, on Bumble and seemed to, like, hit it off. And when I say that the person who showed up was, like, not the person that I saw in any of the photos, like, I was just like, I don't know who you are. Like, they looked so different. It was wild. Like, it, I, I had to do, like, a double take. It's just not the same guy. So that was off-putting. Um... It was like the angles, I guess, they used. They just done some genius photography work. Um, and we were going to a concert. And we also, it just turned out, even though we had great conversation, we had, like, nothing in common in person. And so um, I had suggested we go see Dead Man Winter, who was the lead singer of Trampled by Turtles, his other band. And when I was there, I was having a great time. We forgot I was on a date. And at one point, turned around, I was like, what, who the fuck are you? And so, <laughs> Pick another one, even though that was a good story to tell. 
That's that's fair. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a great one. That's uh, tough because you got to narrow it down to one. I know. And then you just say yeah. Nintendo, so that could be Super Nintendo, Nintendo sixty four. Uh, that could be a lot. Oh, and I know how Jacob is. I'm I'm big on nostalgia, so oh oh yeah. I'm I mean you know I'm you know the two games I'm torn between, but I'm going to say it. Even though I haven't played it in a couple months because I just obliterate everybody who I play, it's got it's got to be Blitz Two Thousand. It's a football game. It was never really. I mean, it, actually, you know what? That's not a Nintendo thing. That was a Midway game. So never mind. It was on the sixty four. So I don't know if that counts, right? That's Nintendo sixty four. But it's not. It is a count. But I was thinking Nintendo would be like your Mario's and. Like just in Nintendo period, so you got the Super Nintendo, your your regular Nintendo, you got Nintendo sixty four. Okay, maybe I'm thinking. Okay, I was thinking. I was thinking. Now, as I talk about it, it wasn't made by Nintendo though; it was on the system. Okay, but mm. I don't. I mean, if it's that, if we're going by the system, I'll go Blitz. But if we're going by Nintendo, that's made through the Nintendo company, then I'd have to go uh, Mario Kart. Would be mine. Ooh, that's a good one. Just because we, you know, we do our our burial cart races that we put on our YouTube now that have been fun for the past year. Or so we, we actually before we when we had people come over to the podcast in the basement, we would play a round of burial cart before just to get everybody loose. You know, nothing like chugging a beer real fast to get everyone just loose, ready to talk on the podcast. So. That would probably be it, just because it's such a social game to where I feel like even if you're not that good at it, you can still play it. And now that we're adults, we do Birio. But even if you're just playing regular, I mean, be it the 64, the Super Nintendo, all the way up to the Switch, I still feel like it's a game you can sit around, have some beers or some sodas or socialize and just talk trash in in, in a good-mannered way. So, I mean, that's the only way I could handle Rainbow Road. Yeah. 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 Alright. Um I was thinking like Super Mario, like the the trilogy of Super okay. Mario. One, two, and three. Uh just because you can you can become fire Mario, throw out like fireballs, uh you can grow, it could be big Mario. And it was it was more like an adventure game. Not 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 necessarily as an adventure game, but you had to do like a hit so many boxes and like jump up in the air where they like, couldn't even see the box and still get coins and stuff like that try to try to get the coin record but yeah I was I was going to Super Mario alright um you got the vote? I, I would say and I guess I'm going off the grid because I'm just thinking back just to the, the games that I was a diehard fan of so Super Nintendo going off the grid was a lag <laughs> so I put Aladdin really heavy on Super Nintendo, um, especially with the red carpet that last stage where you had to like go through the fire. Yeah, I remember like I played against. Oh, yes. that's a memory in my brain. Yeah, I remember that yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, and then my second game, which is a game that Jacob probably wouldn't play with, but he's always mad because always a runner. 
So it's Madden 2001 because it has Eddie George on the cover. And I remember that on Nintendo 64. So Listen, Duval, I have it down here in the basement. You can come take the L any day you want. Listen, listen, man. Okay. All right. <laughs> keep, that, keep that same energy next time we have a case. Okay. Okay. I will. We'll, we'll bust it out. Okay. All right, Ashley, what you got? I think my final answer is Banjo Kazooie. Ooh, that is good. Oh, shit. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh, that was a good game. So good. And, like, I would have to use my brother to help me through some of the levels. Like, do you remember when there's a big, there's like a big metal shark in one of the levels, and you have to, like, get inside of it and have, like, rotating fans? Like, absolutely scarred me as a kid. I had the nice shark. That being said, I feel like that was, like, the one that stuck with me the most. And we just realized how to use, like, an emulator to play games through a computer, and that's one of them that I've been, like, starting to play again, and it's just as good as I remember. Yeah. It turned into an ant, yeah. <laughs> and if you never, you're a bear with a banjo, and you've got a bird in a backpack, and then you meet a guy, and he turns you into an ant, and you're, like, collecting rainbow birds, and it, nothing makes sense. I love it. See, you're making me, at the beginning of this quarantine, you know, we had a local video game. We have a local video game store around here that you can get all the retro stuff from here and there. But I went back and I played Ocarina of Time, Zelda, and rebeat that all over again. And then I also went back and I pulled my, I found my my old Super Nintendo in my parents' storage shed and went and finally, I never beat the, that is Zelda on Super Nintendo. So I, I beat that. So I've been doing those. So now you're talking this, it makes me get that itch of wanting to go in and play Banjo Kazooie now. Ooh. I know. And you hit yeah. it right now, it Yeah, see, I'm already scratching. I'm like, yo! <laughs> because it's something about... I mean, I got away from, like, those quest games for a while because I felt like you could suck in your time for so long, you know? I mean, we've all had those days, especially when you're a kid, where you'd sit down and you'd start playing at 8 a.m., and if your parents didn't tell you to stop, you'd look up and it was 8 p.m., and you're like, What? And you barely ate. You just like sat there with your brother or your sister or whatever all day and just switched controllers. You couldn't beat something, but they were better at it. So you just rotated controllers and everything was just those good childhood days or whatever. And so, like you said, getting back to silver linings of, of, of working from home for the COVID was like me being able to come down to the basement and just kind of nerd out again and, and relive those childhood memories and play those games back again. And just so now, like I said, that might have to be the next one I go get at the video game store and fire it up. I tried to play, I tried to start playing Mario Sunshine again, and now I remember why I came up as a kid. It is so hard. It is. Oh, my God. Uh, it is. We had a buddy of ours drop it off. It is It is very, very hard. And you know how, like, that game's pretty expensive to rebuy now. I don't know, where did you get it? Did you get it off of, like, just through the emulator? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I'm not, about this, like it's normal. I, I know. I, I, any way you can get it. I mean, any way you can get it. I had a buddy drop it off, but I remember going to the store I was telling you guys about and looking up at the price and being like, that says $90 on it. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some, there's some older games, even not, and that's not even that old. I think, wasn't that on the Wii? I think. I think it, it was either the we or GameCube. Right. I think it might have been GameCube. One of those two. Jeeves, hit us with the Google there. But, yeah, like, it's it's wild. Some of those GameCube games, too, are also, like, 
the Zelda games that were at that out at that time are up closer to fifty, sixty dollars, and you're just like, whoo, that's a. It's tough to, to to throw that down. Let me see if someone has it to borrow it for a time and then give it back to them. So, but yeah, the nostalgia factor it's in. Those are all. That was all some pretty good. Uh, pretty good answers there. Jeeves, did you pull it up yet? Did Mario Sunshine? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was on the 3D pe- platform published by Nintendo for GameCube. Oh, there it is, GameCube. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was probably. It was probably. Yeah, it was probably the 3DS. It was, it was, and a, it was on 64, then uh, GameCube, then 3DS. No, nah, that's the same Mario. I think Sunshine was just on the GameCube. You're thinking of the trilogy. I don't think Sunshine was on 64. When did the GameCube come out? Was that like in the like? It was two thousand, two thousand four, maybe two thousand five. That sounds right. Yeah. So like Dreamcast failed, and then they went to GameCube. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, GameCube. I don't know how Dreamcast was. Dreamcast was Sega. Yeah, it was. It was. Nintendo went from. Dreamcast was good. It was. It just came out the wrong time when PS One hit. 2001. 2001 was GameCube? It was GameCube. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah, that sounds, okay. Because that was Xbox. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Yeah. All right, well, Ashley, any final words, final thoughts? Um, just that I hope you guys stay safe and are happy in quarantine. Hope you find all the silver linings, everyone that's listening to this. Um, instead of the big uh, storm clouds that feel to be more <laughs> prominent. And if you ever feel like listening to music, I know a girl named Ashley Strongarm, and she's available on Spotify. I think that's that's my my that's my sign off. All right, and you also will be like if someone paid you to write a jingle for them, would you consider that? <laughs> <laughs> So she's yeah she's writing a jingle for someone's son's birthday, working on and it. And I'm it's just like it's such a sweet and simple concept to the point that I'm like this is beyond me. Yeah. If they were to be like right complicated, I'd be like cool cool cool. But they're like it's my sweet son. I'm like fuck. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> so listen, listen. This is just the start because the next thing you know you're going to be writing jingles just like Baloney my. My baloney has the first name. <laughs> well, you know it. You're going to be really big. So, like, like, you know what? This is the start. I'm all for it. I just want you, when you blow up and you're making things about, I'm not saying baloney per se, but I'm just using that example. But, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll. I'll throw it out there. If you ever just like have a creative block and you want to write a jingle for our intro to our burial cart races that we put on YouTube, by all means, have at it. You know, we just use a couple random tunes that actually a buddy of ours sends us the stuff he mixes. But if you ever just want to write something funny about me hitting Duval with a red shell and him losing, going from first to fourth, <laughs> then you know, by all means, you know. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Well, I appreciate uh appreciate all y'all stopping through. Stay after after I hit stop so we can take a quick photo for the for the Instagram. But yeah, Ashley, thanks for stopping in, and we hope you stay yeah. safe up there. And we'll be listening Thank to you. you. We'll throw your tunes on every now and then. And Jeeves and Duvall, appreciate you as well. Always. Yeah. Uh, the new stuff that comes out. Absolutely. Here. Absolutely. And uh, Duvall, man, how do we end the podcast? Peace. What's your go-to karaoke song? I, my Radiohead. Okay. It's, it's just, it range. It's like, it hits a note that it's like, wow, but it's actually not a hard note. It just escalates just right. It's good. You ever need one to just trick people. Okay. It's a good trick people into thinking you're hitting an impressive note, but you're not. Okay. See, I, I like to stand with the Travis trick, Great Day to Be Alive, but I really do enjoy, if you talk about getting emotion and feels, You've never really, I feel like you've never really done karaoke in the South and sung country music. If you haven't done picture and you duet it with another lady, share, you know, share crow and kid rock picture. I just feel like that hits Saeed's, the clientele in Saeed's. It's just, you get everybody just juices flowing there. You know, people are crying. So. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's my, whenever we have like a bad, like when the Panthers lost the Super Bowl a couple years ago, we just crank up sad music after the game. And that's always my go-to just like, you know, living my life in a slow hell. What a great line to just start off a song. So, yeah. <laughs> so, 